Hello, and welcome to BIA's Leading Local Insights podcast. Here we examine the trends, technologies, industry activities related to the local media revenue. We also assess the developments of platform launches, data, technology, nationwide advertising, all to examine opportunities and risks around local advertising. I'm Leila Chetty, Senior Media Analyst at BIA, and I'm here with my colleague, Rick Ducey, who is a Managing Director at BIA. Today, our topic is a new report that Rick and I just published, and it covers a timely topic since holiday retail shopping is right around the corner, and that's retail media networks. Now, retail media networks, which we call RMNs, have been growing very quickly over the last several years, especially since COVID, and many of our clients have been asking about what it all means for the local advertising landscape. So we decided it was time to examine retail media networks from a local perspective, which is exactly what we've been doing for the last few months. In our report, we examined the rise of RMNs and functionality that makes them attractive to retailers. Then we look at the investment in this emerging media and identify which RMNs are on top right now and why. Plus, we align our RMN findings with our own local ad forecast for the retail vertical. Now, this has all been incredibly interesting for us to research, and so many times throughout our discovery period, we found out that um, it's hard to keep up with everything that's going on in the industry, so there's a lot happening with RMNs, but we are ready to share what we've learned. In this podcast, we're going to synthesize our top findings about RMNs, and then we'll tell everyone how to get a copy of the report because we're offering this report for free um, to download in our website. Rick, you and I are going to tag team running through the top questions that we ask and answer in the report itself. Shall we get started? Yes, we should. And Leila, it's always a great pleasure to, to be doing these podcasts with you and uh, to work right. with you on projects like this. So um, that's awesome. And it's great to have a chance to share uh, some of our data and some of the thinking uh, that goes along with the data for this uh, fast emerging space like you've been describing with retail media networks. So yeah, uh, retail media networks, RMNs have become uh, very popular in conversation in the media uh, business. And um, I think the local angle is not something I've seen treated very much. It's just sort of overall spending. But how is this impacting the place that uh, BIA lives, which is local media spending? So um, first of all, one of the things I think we noticed, Layla, is even retail media networks, uh, what they exactly are, uh, isn't always consistently described. Um, But can you tell us a little bit about what they are and how they've evolved over the past several years? Thank you, Rick, for your question. Sure. So retail media networks are digital advertising platforms who are basically owned and operated by big retailers such as Amazon, Kroger, Walmart, Home Depot, etc. So these retail media networks are operated by e-commerce as well as brick and mortar um, retail platforms. And their main goal is to enable retailers to monetize, especially from their e-commerce websites and mobile apps, but also their physical location by offering advertising to brands and advertisers. Um, retail media networks have actually um, experienced a significant growth and transformation since its start in 2012, which was primarily driven by you know industry giants like Amazon and Walmart. 
Now, RMNs are generating massive site views, you know, on their pages, um, on their display, and then um, store visits as well. And then the reach of largest read and media networks are in hundreds of millions of views. So you have a lot of people visiting these sites which they're basically trying to monetize from um, all the metrics they can. And advertising is a high growth, high margin, um, incremental revenue source for retail media networks. And basically they pull their budgets from trade marketing as well as from paid media brand um, budgets. And this eventually creates a new competition for um, local media. Um, so basically, um, coming back to you, Rick, uh, now that I've laid the, the ground for um, RMNs, let's jump into some of the industry giants like Amazon and Walmart that I just mentioned. Obviously, they make waves um, with whatever they do. Can you share how they have contributed to the growth and transformation of RMNs in general? It's an interesting history, I think, and I can't remember exactly how long ago I did this. It was at least 10 years ago. Um, I started thinking about uh, retail and their digital presences, um, have an online storefront so people can see where you are, and then they added inventory, then they added e-commerce capabilities, um, and then they added search capabilities. Okay, I, I don't know exactly what I'm looking for, but uh, I'm looking for a toaster that has these characteristics, or show me your top-rated toaster. So there's a whole kind of practice uh, in the digital platforms evolved around that, and you know, if you think about advertising, it's uh, advertisers want to reach consumers at the right time, at the right place uh, in their purchase cycle with the right information. So I started thinking like, well, every company is actually a media company as these companies stand up their own websites and then they started creating their own mobile apps like Home Depot has a mobile app. If you're searching for uh, that perfect hammer, um, you can do the search on your phone. Uh, it'll tell you, yes, it's in stock at the store near you. There's 12 left, and it's in um, aisle 12, bin 37. It's like, wow, that's kind of cool. So that is a set of signals that's fantastic. Say I'm looking at a, um, a Stanley hammer. Uh, how valuable does that lead to DeWalt? Who would like me to buy a DeWalt hammer instead? So these companies started getting into their um e-commerce platforms and their digital owned and operated assets like websites and mobile apps to say, I've got somebody that's going to come in here and buy a table saw or a hammer. Uh, who would like to serve them an ad? It's like, that is so valuable. So that was sort of the beginning days of what became more formalized, both technolo technologically and in terms of content development and, and marketing and fulfillment for clients, for customers and uh, brand clients to bring this all together into a marketplace. So if you look at um, the brands, their way of connecting with the marketplace tends to be just divided into two two budgets, um, sort of a um, trade budget uh, or a marketing budget and then a media budget. And that's what's happened um, that we discovered lately going through this project is that's really accelerated. So this um, line between trade spending and um, media spending, like maybe I have an end cap at Walmart uh, to say, yes, you know, buy my soft drink. Um, that would come out of a trade budget. Now that end cap is actually a digital asset that has a video screen and it maybe has some content and then you can run an ad in it. It can run in the mobile app. It can run in a website. So Walmart is in the media business. Um, Home Depot is in the media business. 
Amazon, of course, has the deepest, broadest, and highest scale level of all of this. But that's why it's kind of evolved from having some presence to serve some basic needs of customers. What are your hours? Do you have that hammer in stock? How much is it? And you know how well reviewed is it? To saying, well, let's open this up. You know, we can run ads on our website. We can run ads in our in our mobile app. And mm-hmm. as that uh, started to come on the media side, we started to get more into programmatic uh, trading platforms and real-time bidding and programmatic direct and programmatic guaranteed. So kind of on the other side, low on the media side, the technology and the business practices were rising up um, kind of at the same time. And it all, like the crossover was data. So Walmart, Amazon, Kroger have a lot of first-party data. They know a lot about their customers. They can create some custom segmentation there that's very interesting to brands. And that is essentially how you buy media too. So a lot of the practices, business practices and technologies were very similar with the rising um, silo, if you will, of retail media networks and the existing silo of paid media networks. So now we're at a point where there's some fungibility between those two um, kind of silos, the retail media network and um, paid media network, uh, like TV, radio, and so on, um, and digital platform research, uh, mobile, video, things like that. So that's kind of where we are now. And it's a, it's a little bit frontierish, but uh, settling down to some established business practices with significant spending going on in this market. And Leila, I mean, that, that's part of um, research you were looking at. What kind okay. of money are we talking about? Um, so as we mentioned earlier, um, the so RMS grew in popularity and importance. And now we're estimating that um, the ad spend in um, these networks will be $45.2 billion, according to eMarketer. Now, Armin ad revenue has been concentrated mainly in search ad formats, and now is growing into other digital ad formats, which includes, for example, video and social. Um, now, talking about platforms, search, um, here we include organic and also paid search, have long been the driver of e-commerce and have helped uh, retailers expand to other ad formats. This is due to the competition from agencies and retailers that are trying to move into a more unified approach and offer more formats such as display ads and and other formats. However, um, recently, and in the recent years, uh, search-related ads gained a lot of traction in the early days, but search has been kind of slowing down a little bit to leave room for other types of ads, such as video. Now, video ads have been growing the fastest and have emerged as the stronger challenges to traditional search and display ads. And one of the reasons why is, for example, um, video drives a more immersive experience for consumers and their basically leading more engagement and conversion rates. Um, Also, they've become really popular with retail media networks because that aligns also with their omni-channel experiences that they're trying to offer. And video ads are also a great medium to implement um, a seamless experience across multiple touch points from the retail sites to CTV to social media outlets, um, as well as their um, brick and mortar stores. Sorry. Yeah, so, th- so you know, we're talking about what's going on, the definition, um, the kind of spend. Um, I was talking a little bit about how these retail media networks grew up alongside um, what we might think of as paid media networks that bring editorial content. Um, but the RMNs have grown. Uh, they've attracted a lot of spend like you just went through. 
Um, and, and I spoke a little bit about this. Can you help us understand, though, a bit more about what the value proposition is? What are the benefits that these RMNs offer both to retailers um, that are carrying these um, brands and uh, advertisers, the brand advertisers that are trying to reach consumers through these um, marketing channels? Sure, right. Thanks for bringing that up. So uh, retail media networks have multiple opportunities. So let's name a few of them. For example, um, the enhanced audience reach, audience reach for paid media, especially traditional. So one of the big advantages of uh, retail media networks is their vast and diverse customer base. Um, they provide valuable access for traditional media platforms who are basically trying to improve their engagement levels. And also, um, they hold the potential to help media publishers extend their audiences. Um, another factor would be that they provide sales attribution. Now, another notable aspect is their ability to measure and attribute actual sales across different platforms. Now, the resulting data is very important and key for media platforms who are aiming to optimize their marketing efforts, but also trying to increase their profits. And another third um, feature would be that they would bring in innovative and interactive advertising products, like for example, shoppable TV, uh, which basically helps close the gap on purchasing. Uh, so retail media networks provide a lot of possibilities for paid media platforms, especially traditional who want to expand offers to their advertisers, like with shopping video ads, which are basically customized and are there for the customer's needs by simplifying the purchasing process, but also enhancing the customer journey. Now, for retail media networks, the possibilities of linking uh, features such as the shopper loyalty data, their sales data with the viewing is a powerful aspect for brands. Now, Rick, now that we've talked about a little bit about the retail um, on investment, I wanted to move a little bit towards the attribution part of things where um, we know it's important for usage and for growth. So here's a question for you. How does the first party data of the retail media networks combined with their sales outcome basically benefit advertisers? Well, because, I mean, I think probably Amazon is the classic, classic and probably the biggest example of this. Uh, Amazon, as a um, walled garden, if you will, knows a lot about its consumers. Uh, they know what they're searching for. Uh, they know what criteria they're using in that search, what uh, signals. And they know um, us, you know, the people on their Amazon platform. There are data privacy and data safeguard uh constraints that, that are operational, of course, but uh, in his, Amazon is a terrific closed loop marketing platform from that perspective. And uh, that's very helpful for Amazon. Uh, you know, they can do ratings and, and make recommendations to you uh, for other things that you might be interested in. And if you say, gee, I put this in my shopping cart, they can pop up um, an ad that says, oh, you know, here's another version of this that uh, is higher rated. So there's a lot of different things you can do with that. And then what does that Amazon shopper do? Amazon knows it has 100% attribution at a granular level. And again, they have to go through some data privacy safety filters, uh, but basically they have that closed loop marketing information, which is fantastic. So uh, not only do they have the ability to, to create customer segments based on their search signals, they can look at performance of, of ads to see where that drives people. And then ultimately attribution uh, at a very attractive KPI, uh, did they buy it and how much did they spend? And with Amazon, depending upon the audience signals that surface, 
you might even be presented um, different prices as a consumer uh, on, on some of these um, platforms. Um, and then stepping back a bit more, that uh, first party data that these retail media networks, they know a lot about uh, the buying behavior, uh, the uh, search behavior, the buying behavior, um, and can see some outcomes, really valuable. But that's people who are on that retail media platform now. The brand may say, that's great, but I want to get the bigger scale. I don't want to get just to Kroger shoppers. I don't want to get just to Walmart shoppers. I don't want to get just to uh, even Amazon shoppers. I want to reach more broadly for my top of the funnel um, strategy. How do I do that? Well, the first party data that you can aggregate and analyze from retail media networks, you can create segmentations, consumer segments out of that and then build lookalike segments. So you can go to paid media, which are much better at getting to the top of the funnel, uh, reaching frequency goals, maybe than some of these retail media networks and say, okay, here's um, 22 audience segments that we've learned are really valuable to us from our work with retail media networks. How many of these 22 audience segments and how closely can we activate them in your media? And that has improved all the KPIs in the marketing uh, from the trade budget side, but also moving that into the media budget side, you using first party data from retail media networks to create smarter, more um, higher performing segments that you activate on the media side. So it really helps brands uh, both ways in their trade budget as well as their media budget to to get both reach extension to the uh, paid media side and much more effective audience segmentation and targeting that uh, pulls through to attribution. Thank you, Rick. Um, that was very interesting. And then this brings us actually to the one of the main points, which is uh, programmatic. Uh, I'm going to give you this question as well. What is the significance of programmatic advertising in retail media networks and which major players in the space offer their inventory through open ad tech platforms? Yeah, so the last part about open ad tech platforms, you know, that's increasing. Uh, the wall garden um, is where a lot of things start. So the Walmarts, the Kroger's, the Amazons, uh, the Home Depots, obviously would like to keep you on their platform. Um, and as they have inventory that comes up, they're monetizing it at very attractive margins, like you were saying earlier, Layla. So, I mean, that's fantastic. But at some point, oh, that is a nice revenue stream. Um, and we're doing it all on our own in our own closed garden, uh, our own walled garden. Um, but, you know, as we create more inventory, we're not getting the fill rates. We're not getting the take up or, you know, we could actually be generating um, more CPMs by opening up a higher, higher CPM values uh, by opening up a bit. So some of their inventory, they may open to the open uh, programmatic marketplace. They can set uh, floor prices and uh, see how that fills. Again, they can offer very attractive audience segments that um, some brand or agency wants to activate. So some of it can be held uh, within their walled garden and they can open up some portion of that inventory to the uh, either open, open internet or doing some sort of relationship partnership selling where it's um, um, private marketplace or programmatic direct or programmatic guarantee. There's all different flavors of this now, but uh, essentially I think retail media networks are now starting to be run by media people. These retailers are hiring people from the media side of things and no advertising, no media, and are starting to bring that expertise and the relationships over to the retail media network side. So the, the differentiators between retail media network and paid uh, media networks, um, they're still there. Uh, and I think they're complementary from a brand perspective and an agency perspective. 
Uh, they each have different value propositions, but there's an opportunity, I think, for paid media um, uh, businesses to play more in the retail media network side and uh, vice versa uh, to the to the benefit of pretty much everybody in the ecosystem. It'll be competitive, but there'll be more opportunities, I think, to uh, have people go after and, and realize. So, um, Leo, let's bring this back to the local side again. Um, we at BIA focus on local media spending. That's kind of our specialty. I think our latest number is $176 billion or so will be spent to local in 2024. Um, a lot of money. Um, not all of that uh, retail media network um, spending goes to what we would call local with geo-target designators. But what, what um, are you seeing about the local advertising marketplace, the retail segments like you were talking about earlier, and what we're seeing for local retail in terms of ad spending in, in local? Thanks for mentioning that question, uh, Rick. That's something that we uh, were interested in a lot, the local part of it. So local advertising in the U.S. Uh, will be $161.6 billion in 2023, according to our BIA estimates. Now, local retail, which does not include retail media networks, I just wanted to mention that, contributes to the largest portion the local ad spend with $25 billion in 2023, and that's, I believe, an 8.2% increase over year from last year. Their digital ad is about 39%, so about $9.6 billion of local retail this year will go to digital. Now, retail media networks, they play in the local market, but at a national level. So retail media network spending comes, as you explained, from the trade budgets. Um, whereas the media budgets are more used to buy ads on publisher-owned and operated formats. Now, um, the spending between trade and media budgets is really hard to break down and have transparency on that as, you know, more media spending is slowly shifting into retail media networks, uh, especially at the lower funnel campaigns. Now, with the most of the retail media spending at the national level, uh, and mainly coming from trade budgets, as we explained, it is kind of difficult to determine how much of the local media uh, budget is going to retail media networks. But this is one area that we will uh, keep watching and analyzing more going into um, 2024. Now, Rick, uh, let's conclude by discussion discussing our final question. Uh, what do you think are the possible opportunities for paid media, such as radio or TV, who would like to partner with a retail media network? So what would be the strategies for the uh, local sellers? Yeah, so retail media networks, as you defined it, they're digital platforms. And if you look at traditional media like radio uh, and TV groups, um, they still get a huge amount of local ad spending, but they're looking for growth on a digital side, which makes sense. Uh, that could be just digital or it could be cross-platform, both the linear advertising opportunities as well as the digital um, advertising opportunities. These days, you know, buyers are looking at data-driven um, audience targeting and audience delivering across platforms. As the rise of retail media networks has become more interesting to brands and agencies, initially maybe at a national level, but now coming into local, um, it's becoming a thing. And that that uh, spending can be competitive with local media in some cases, or it can be um, collaborative and maybe synergistic. So from a programmatic perspective, that's great. You can do a lot of things uh, in the automated um, trading marketplace, whether it's walled garden or you open up some of that inventory to the um, open marketplace. 
However, even though it's tech-driven, uh, these ad tech platforms do best when there's actually a relationship element in, in the selling um, conversation. So the, the retail media networks are starting to get smarter about that relationship side because they're hiring some people out of the traditional media business to come over and help them understand how to work with advertising um, marketers and agencies. But uh, on the local level, um, they could use some scale. And at the same time as these local media with local sales forces feed on the street um, are out there trying to get more digital revenue opportunities, these retail media networks could probably get better fill rates um, deeper into local audiences and uh, even increase their operating margins more by partnering with some of these paid media companies. They've got terrific first party um, audience data. The media companies um, have increasingly better uh, first party audience data. So you can have a couple of benefits. One is reach extension across the two networks, what the paid media can deliver locally, and then also reach into what the retail media networks can deliver locally. And uh, then that that segmentation and look at the um, move towards attribution. You can develop lookalike segments based on the first party data for retail media networks and activate those in local media that the local media sellers could sell and um, drive higher overall KPIs on a brand level, uh, awareness, favorability, intention to purchase, um, referrals, things like that. And then if your KPIs um, drive people to mobile apps or websites or even floor traffic, all those attribution measures are available from the data vendors. So the potential for partnerships and collaboration between local media and the retail media networks to drive higher fill rates, higher CPM, higher engagement, and um, reach a broader audience through different reach extension strategies you know, in theory, uh, sound really good. And I think, you know, we're all interested to see how much uh, actually evolves. It will change the mindset and maybe the vision and strategy of what local media companies think of uh, when they go to market. But it's an opportunity that seems like it has a lot of upside for both parties. Thank you so much, Rick. That was very interesting. And thanks for letting our audience know a little bit more about the topic, which we have a lot more covered in the paper. Um, this has been a great discussion on retail media networks, and I know we could talk a lot longer, as I just mentioned, but for now, we'll wrap it up here and encourage all our listeners to please go to www.bia.com. There at the top of our homepage, you'll see information about retail media networks paper, and you can follow the link to the download uh, for the report. To our BA Advantage subscribers, we've popped the report into the reports and webinars area where you can go directly there and get the report. If you have any questions about what we've shared today, we would be happy to speak with you. And if you have more questions on retail media networks we'd like to answer, let us know. Email us at podcast at BIA.com. To everyone, thank you for listening and we look forward to having you on our next podcast. Stay tuned, everyone, and have a nice day. Thank you.